0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So the bottle is
1: shaped like a teardrop. Bright blue glass, pointed end, round base, and it is a very beautiful bottle. And inside was this letter rolled very tightly, with a ribbon around it, there was a curl of hair, and there was some sandalwood shavings, so it had been beautifully packaged, and it was completely watertight.
2: In 2002, a woman named Sue Pito was walking on the beach on the Isle of Sheppey in England when she found an actual message in a bottle washed up on the shore. The letter was long, written by hand, and in French. Sue doesn't speak French, so she asked her friend Karen Liebridge to translate it. Here's Karen. I have to say that when I started reading the
1: letter, I was rather irritated. I had a lot of work to do. This letter is about three or four pages, quite hard to read, handwriting, quite loopy. And, um... (laughs) I was, um... To do this now, you know, Sue's asked me, but I, you know, yes, all right, I'll do it. And I started to to decipher the letters, the the, the words, late in the evening. And um, I have a little office at home, and my husband sits sort of at right angles behind me. And as I started to write this, I became swept up into the letter, and my eyes began to fill. And I have to say that by the by the end, I, I mean even by the middle, I was I was. Um, Quite openly weeping.
2: What were you thinking um, as you were translating this letter? You were there in this room weeping. What was your husband thinking was going on?
1: Well, you know, tears come quietly, and then and then you start sort of snivelling and and you know sniffing. And um, he looks around and says, oh, "You know, are you all right?" And I said, "Oh my, this letter is just uh, it's just very beautifully written."
2: The letter was addressed to all ships everywhere to all ports of call to my family to all friends and to all strangers à tous les navires
1: au large à tous les ports d'attache à ma famille à tous les amis et à tous les inconnus ceci est un message une prière le message c'est que mes souffrances mes énnonces m'ont enseigné une grande vérité this is a message a prayer The message is that my sufferings have taught me a great truth. I already had, a long time ago, what everyone is searching for, and few ever find. The only person in the world whom I was born to love forever, my first son, Maurice. The prayer is for all mothers to know such a love and be healed by it. If my prayer is answered, it will erase all errors, all regrets, and soothe all anger. Forgive me, my son, my love. I thought that by clinging to your memory in this way, I would keep us both alive for as long as possible. Forgive me, my son, for not having spoken to you for such a long time. I felt I was lost, without my bearings. I kept crashing into things, stumbling everywhere. Forgive me for being so angry at your disappearance. I still think there's been some mistake, and I keep waiting for God to fix it. I thought this suffering bound me to you. It consumed me until it left no room for anything else, but I began to permit it to leave my heart, my soul, my very being. Thanks to you, my love, I succeeded in transforming this suffering into love, into life. I'm writing to you, Maurice, to tell you that I'm embarking on the search for this peace and to beg your forgiveness for so many things. Forgive me for not having known how to protect you from death. Forgive me for not having been able to find the words at that terrible moment when you slid through my fingers to express what I felt and above all for not having held you so tightly that God would not have been able to take you away. There is no moment in my life, my son, where you are not present. Your 13 years of life brought me infinite happiness. Today I know that you were just passing through to show me the way, to reveal how I could lead my life. I know that we will find one another again when the time comes. God owes it to us. Farewell, my son, farewell, my love. I love you with all my heart, with all my soul,
2: And I am proud to have been your mother. The act of translation is sometimes described like a puzzle. It's delicate work to try and get inside the mind of someone else. And with so many unknowns, it's hard to say when your work is done. In the case of Karen Liebrich and this message she'd found in a bottle, she wasn't even close to done. She wanted to know what happened. She wanted to find this woman and check in, one mother to another. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. It seems like a very intimate thing that you were allowed in on. You know, I think that's what I would think if I was translating and I... I would be translating and thinking, oh no, should I keep going? This isn't meant for me. Well, and all all the way through,
1: I wondered that, because it is addressed to her son, but at the beginning, it's addressed to everyone. At the beginning, she addresses it to all ships at sea, to all ports of call, to my family, to all friends and strangers. And she wrote her letter. And the letter came to me and I agree that sometimes it's so intimate sometimes I feel it's so intimate that it's that it was outrageous that I looked for her and sometimes I think but it it was came from one mother to another mother and she would perhaps be happy to know that it arrived with somebody who cared about her
2: she wrote down what she thought were the facts that the woman had lost a child named Maurice. He was 13. She assumed that they lived just across the English Channel in northern France. Karen has a PhD in history, so she's got experience doing research. And she figured it couldn't be all that difficult to figure out this woman's name.
1: I'll ring the Statistics Bureau of the French government, and they'll be able to tell me and... um, And it wasn't like that. The French don't keep statistics of um, death, records of death centrally. They keep them in each town hall. There are 36,000 town halls. There are 20 in Paris alone. So the next method I thought I could go to, I could look through the local French newspapers and they put these little death notices. And I thought I would just skim through those for the last few years in the summer months and i would find a 13-year-old boy called maurice who had sadly died so i didn't i didn't think that it would be
2: such a big deal i thought it would be a few days i wonder what what the french department thought when you called up and said oh i'm looking for a to 13- <laughs> get a- at the fir- at the beginning the first, question, well, the first question with
1: every single person I talked to, I think, on this quest was, you're not going to find her. That's just not going to happen. Thank you very much. Goodbye. But when I explained a little bit about the story or said, can I just read you the first few lines of this letter? They almost all, almost everybody became somehow involved in it. And I remember that statistics woman I remember her saying, oh la la oh, ça va jamais de, ça va jamais donner rien and and then me reading her part of this letter and then her spending the next few hours she said I'll ring you back and she spent the next few hours going through her stats to come back and say and and saying please let me know you know if you if you find the answer please let me know
2: what happened next after you realized this the, the, the French offices were not going to be of any help to you? Where did you go next?
1: I saw by chance in one of our local the local magazines that fall through your door with adverts. There was an advert for a private detective. So I went to see him. I think he'd seen a lot of um, early Hollywood films and he his office was was as you would hope from having seen those films. He didn't think I had enough information, but he suggested that um, a friend of his could do some, an ESDA test on it, electronic static detection analysis, and then you could could see what else had been written on the letter, so that the the letter was written on some pages pulled out of a, a writing block, you know, block of writing paper, and he said, well, you could, with this detection analysis system, you could perhaps see an earlier letter, and then maybe there would be an address. So I went to to look at that, and that didn't work.
2: Most people she contacted were fairly willing to help once Karen read them the letter. But not everyone. One woman in particular was totally put off by Karen's phone call.
1: On n'a rien voir avec votre petite histoire d'une bouteille. We've got nothing to do with your little story of a bottle, with a kind of telephonic curl of her lip. Um, And she said, anyway, it it just sounds like a Hollywood movie. She said, I'm sure I've seen a a movie about this. And I said, no, no, it's it's, it's a true letter. It's not a movie. And she said, oh, I'm sure I saw this film with Kevin Costner.
2: A few years before, a movie starring Kevin Costner, Robin Wright Penn, and Paul Newman hit theaters all over the world, Message in a Bottle, based on a novel by Nicholas Sparks. It didn't get good reviews. Karen had never heard of it. I thought,
1: well, I'll I'll watch it, and then I can go back to her again and say, look, it's really got nothing to do with it.
2: And blow me, she had actually used some words from that film. There's a message in a bottle in the movie that begins exactly like Karen's letter, with, to all the ships at sea and all the ports of call, to my family and to all friends and strangers. I almost fell off the sofa when I saw that. The letter in the movie says, this is a message, a prayer. The message is that my travels taught me a great truth. The author of Karen's letter dropped the word travels and put in sufferings in its place. The movie letter says, I already had what everyone is searching for and few ever find. The one person in the world who i was born to love forever. Karen's letter has that exact line too. She felt ridiculous.
1: And then i wondered if it was even true. But then it's only a very it's only 2 or 3 lines from from the film and a letter in a bottle is such a
2: it's a cliche in itself if you like. Karen kept rewinding and comparing and rewinding and comparing. A version of the movie's final voiceover made its way into her letter, too. But most of it appeared to be original. It had a lot of specific references to things that didn't relate to the movie at all. She decided that whoever wrote her letter might have gotten the idea from that Kevin Costner movie, but that didn't mean that this woman and her son weren't real. This
1: letter is a serious letter. and. I suppose I'd gone as far as I could, emailing people, talking to people on the phone. And then to look through all the local newspapers, I had to go to Paris, to the National Archives. Probably now you could just do it online. But at the time you actually had to go there and you had to um, either look through the microfiche or the actual newspapers.
2: So you started reading death notices.
1: <laughs> I am astonished at myself that I did that now. I mean, it it sounds it makes me sound completely bonkers. But I'm a good researcher, and research is is you know, that's my excuse. <laughs>
3: Like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course.
2: Karen got the lock of hair that had been wrapped up in the letter tested. She had the handwriting analyzed. She looked into the way the tides moved, trying to determine where the woman was when she dropped the bottle into the water. Was there any time during this that you thought in the middle of the night, maybe this is a sign that I need to get away from this letter, that this letter, whoever wrote it, does not want to be found and I should not be looking? Yes.
1: Yes. I, I also, I often thought, I often forgot that she was a woman in mourning and it became a crest, it became a, almost a hunt and then going back and reading the letter and seeing her grief, feeling that maybe I'm doing something wrong, looking for her. I suppose that my perhaps my my curiosity and my nosiness pushed me towards saying this is a letter, inclined me towards saying this is a letter that would like an answer, and she's a mother sending out a, a letter. Um, it's a kind of cry for someone to read it, and... And I read it, and I was moved by it, and I... I mean, yes, your, your, your criticism is... I, I, um, I perfectly take it on the chin. I mean, I gave up a lot of, I gave up frequently. I gave up a lot. And then I just bump into someone who said, oh, have you tried, you know, such and such. Um, so I did give up all the time but i kept doing it again but then at the end i i thought well i really feel i've you know i've i've done everything i can now i can now move on because i really tried my best to find her and i didn't so done now go back to you know go and get a life
2: in 2006 karen published a book about her search called the letter in the bottle a mother's story it got lots of
1: letters it got criticisms similar to the ones you said about intrusiveness, it got lots of people writing to me, thanking me and saying it had helped them, and then it came out in France. I was taken over to France to, and I was on the news, and it turned out that this lady had had other sons, and one of them had seen this. and. It so happened that she had only recently told him that she'd done a letter in the bottle. so she'd done the letter in the bottle years before, but she had only told her son about it a couple of months before I was on the television, and he then rang her and said, "I think I've just seen I think I've just seen your your letter in the bottle. I think this woman has just um, talked about it and shown." something that looked like your letter in the bottle. She um, went out to buy the book. She read
2: it and I think was horrified. The woman didn't contact Karen. She reached out to someone Karen had met with and described in her book, a clinical psychologist named Olivier Roussel. And so she
1: sent him an email saying I'm I'm the author of the letter and she said, "Um, I'm horrified, Um, I feel violated, that was the word she used, violi, and and I sent a message back via him saying, I didn't mean it in any way as a vulgar nasty prying thing, however you see it, that's not how I meant it. So she then sent a message back saying she's going to have a think. And she had to think for a few months. And then she contacted Olivia again and said, I'm ready to meet
2: Karen. I think I would have just died. I think I would have been so upset if I had heard that I had made the mother. I I can't even imagine what you did that night when you heard. I I would not have wanted to be in your position.
1: I was horrified. Yes, I was upset. you... Somebody who's lost a child has has um, experienced enough without having some idiot woman intruding on it and making her feel violated.
2: Tell me about the scene of meeting her so i I
1: crossed over to France she she was indeed in northern France, so i I went over and we had arranged to meet in a in a bar um, she gave me the address of the bar and I was there, I don't know, an hour early or something. Um, sat there looking down the road. I sat on a strategic table where I could sort of look at the the, the way down the road and I sat there as each um, woman was walking down towards the bar thinking, "Ah, oh, I hope it's not her. Oh my God, if it's her. And then suddenly aware that if... That was the first time when I realized how much I'd invested in, in the fact that she would be special somehow. And she actually came in from the side, so I didn't see. She came in from the other door on the side, and so I didn't actually see her approach.
2: The woman was about 60 years old, with dark brown hair. Karen says they talked all day long. Did you ask her that day to tell, to tell you about Maurice's death? Yes, yes.
1: Maurice was killed in a car accident on the 27th of August 1981 and she took her son's clothing and she threw that as well into the sea and some flowers, lilies I think, and the letter in the bottle. She threw it together. She went with her friend, the, the the woman she mentions at the, at the end that she's only going to tell one person, and, and they went on the ferry across the channel, and on the way across she couldn't bring herself to throw it, and then they they didn't get off, they they turned straight back, came straight back on the ferry, and on the way back she threw it. So it was very, very weird to meet. And of course, a lot of what I had researched was wrong. So, I mean, she, luckily, she was um, a very special woman who didn't loathe me for it and who managed to turn it round into something rather beautiful. Very beautiful. I mean, it's, it. I think it is a beautiful thing because in the end, we we did. We The meeting was very stressful for both of us, but it was... It did come out beautiful
2: in the end. There's now an updated version of Karen Liebrich's book. Maurice's mother, who doesn't want her identity made public, wrote her own chapter. She describes seeing the Kevin Costner movie many years after her son's death and getting the idea to say goodbye to him in this way. She describes her son Maurice as very gentle, very sweet, a truly lovely boy. And she writes about the experience of dropping the bottle over the side of a boat, how it disappeared in the wake very quickly, and a sort of pinkish color spread around the waves where I had thrown it in. She writes, it was perhaps my way of talking to God. This Is Love is created by Lauren Spore and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Audio mix by Michael Raphael and Rob Byers. Special thanks to Matilda Felino. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of This Is Love. You can see them at thisislovepodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at This Is Love Show. This is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. We'll be back next week. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Utopia. from PRX.
3: Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries, Running Socks, brought to you by Team Milk